My name is Andriette. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'll spell my name A N D R I E T T E. My phone number initial is W Andriette W. My phone number is three one two two five nine two two one one. I live in Los Angeles, so that's Pacific Coast time. Um, I would like to qualify by saying that I've been abstaining from recreational sugar since June first of twenty twenty. That statement in itself is a miracle. It's not my doing. It's definitely that of a higher power, power greater than me. I've given away 35 pounds in this abstinence, and I am 85 pounds down from my top weight. I have a ways to go, but I'll, I'm still grateful for that weight loss. Um, just to uh, explain a little bit more, I've been overweight all my life. Um, with the exception of my birth, I was uh, born um, 28 weeks premature, and I weighed only two pounds, four ounces at birth. And my brother used to brag about the fact that he could hold me in the palm of his hand. I don't think that he could do it now. But anyways, I come from a large family. I'm a number seven of eight children. And I have a very, I had very loving parents, but they weren't very demonstrative. So I learned early in life just to be self-sufficient with my emotional needs. You know, physical needs were met and they did their best to take care of me. My parents did. We never went without food, and they took pride in the fact that we were never hungry, and we never had restrictions. We could eat whatever we wanted. We chose our own foods, like cereals and and, um, drinks, which, of course, are always loaded with sugar. Um, And I, without knowing it, they became my drug of choice early in life. Um, So somehow, I don't know how I got the message, but I learned early... uh, two things, that being good meant being self-sufficient. And food, especially sugar, worked to suppress any feelings because even as a child I felt that there was something missing, there was a void in my life. Um, I learned to mask that emptiness with the food. Then I would fake being the happy child when I opened my Christmas presents or birthday gifts. But I always felt that there there was something more, that I wanted more at a deeper level. And But, you know, I didn't show it. I didn't show it or act that way. How does it relate to me now? Um, I remember hearing our current vice president, Kamala Harris, boast that she eats no for breakfast. And especially for that reason, she's my role model because that's how I've lived my life. I don't accept no. And that stubbornness remains one of my biggest challenges in this program and in my recovery, Um, especially especially when we talk about surrendering to a higher power. Uh, It goes against every grain of my core to say that I don't have things under control. And it's ironic, you know, if you would see me or you would have seen me at my top weight, smiling and saying, oh, everything's fine. Clearly everything wasn't fine. I'm not sure who I was fooling with these statements, but it was important for me to kind of mask any feelings of um, pain or hurt um, or just uh, powerlessness. I continue to struggle with surrendering in this program, and my sponsor reminds me that surrendering is moving over to the winning side. So I'm making progress. I've been throwing in the towel, so to speak, but it's been one thread at a time. Um, And only a compulsive overeater will think, and at least I will speak for myself, that I know better than God how to handle a situation. And I have to admit that although I've had my struggles, especially when it comes to my weight, 
I can't deny it. When I 310 pounds, I'm about 5'2". At three, I can't deny that I had a problem with my weight. But I also recognize that I've been very fortunate in my life. And I've taken the credit for these accomplishments. And it's only through this program that I started to realize that um, maybe it wasn't me that's been responsible for these successes in life. Maybe God's been there quietly, you know, not boastfully, directing my actions and my choices so that I'm now doing things that, whether they're personal or career, that are just moving me to a better place, a place that maybe I wouldn't have been able to get to on my own. I heard it shared in program. You'll hear me here share a lot of things that I hear in program because I keep coming to meetings. That's how I keep myself in the middle of the herd. And so I heard it shared in program once that, how do you make God laugh? Uh, tell him your plans is the answer, and that that's me. Uh, periodically throughout the year, starting with New Year's Day, of course, because that's always a good time to start, I would draft out the most detailed weight loss plan of how I would lose a certain amount of weight by a certain day, only to have revised it every two, three months because I could never stay on track. I, I should back up to say that I, I never died, you know, even though I – was overweight as a child, and I was 16. I went to. I started thinking about going off to college, and it would be nice to lose weight before I went to college. And so I was watching a late night infomercial, and they mentioned over. Um, oh, they don't. I don't know if they said Overeaters Anonymous or what, but there was a meeting that I could go to if I wanted to lose weight and keep it off. And so I did go to this meeting. It was in the basement of some church, and I walked in, and there were these people literally sitting in a circle chanting about God, and I thought to myself, oh, my God, this is a cult, and I've never been a really religious person. Maybe I stayed for that meeting. I don't remember, but I left, and it took me another 20 years. Even though um, I never went back, that seed was somehow planted that there was a solution out there, and 20 years of my life I spent just struggling with my weight, maybe doing, you know, one of those um, weigh-in, pay-in-weight programs, or um, I even did one where you would get these weekly injections and maybe I would lose a few pounds, but it was never anything substantial because ultimately I would start the lies to myself that, oh, you know, I it's okay, I've lost a few pounds. I didn't stay on the plan that they prescribed for me that week, but I'll take care of it next week, you know, Monday or whenever it would be. Um, so it wasn't until I... Um, Okay, I went back up for a second and say that. It wasn't until I was like 310 pounds that I really started to kind of say what I'm doing, the way I've been trying to get this weight off for decades now, clearly isn't working. And I started to uh, develop even greater fear when, excuse me, I went to my doctor, and this was in January of 2017, January 2017, maybe March or something, 2017, I went to my doctor, and up until then, I had been pre-diabetic, and I could pretend that that's not so bad. It's not actually diabetes. It's pre-diabetes. But in March of 2017, my diagnosis changed from pre-diabetes to actual diabetes. And I live my life governed by the three Fs. I always say fear, food, and fantasy. And fear is everything, fear of success, fear of failure, fear of not having enough, fear of not being enough fear of wanting too much and not getting what I need. Um, and instead of, you know, expressing any kind of fear because, you know, I have to be always the one in charge, 
I would use food because I learned early on that that did suppress any kind of fear. And then I would fantasize about this perfect life that I'd have once I'd get the weight off because the next time I tried a program, it was definitely going to work and the weight would come off. And that's my fantasy, insanity speaking. So the only thing I feared at this point more than um, surgery, because I always had a fear of what an outcome could be, what if you know, the surgery didn't go well and I became dependent on someone as a result of it. Um, but when it got to the point where it's either surgery or diabetes, I feared diabetes even more than the fear of, you know, an unsuccessful outcome with the surgery. So I had gastric bypass surgery in November of 2017. Uh, and I lost weight right away because um, I couldn't eat sugar. So within five months of losing, of having the surgery, I lost 80 pounds, actually more like 90 pounds. So I lost 10 pounds before the surgery to show that I was really committed to this, you know, plan. Um, and it's the closest thing I've ever fantasized about going to sleep fat and waking up thin to have 80 pounds off because I couldn't eat sugar. If I ate sugar, I had really severe digestive problems for the first five months. But then after a while, I could eat sugar. And I gained five pounds back. And, but I didn't panic, even though there's something that was registering. Because I had lost, back up to say, uh, before I had done that, um, I had lost maybe 100 pounds prior and had gained it all back because I had eaten a cookie on a plane. Um, and it threw me into 15 years of relapse in this program. So anyways, I started eating these candies, just one in once you know, a, a week or something, just a small amount. But it's clearly enough for me to start gaining weight, and I gave five, gained five pounds back from the 90 that I lost. But I didn't panic because I was still down 85 pounds. Um, and what's just five pounds when you've lost all that weight? Uh, and then it was another five pounds. Next thing I knew, it was January of 2020, and I had regained 20 of the five pounds that I lost from the bypass surgery, dangerously close to becoming someone that I vowed I'd never be, which is the person who had who mutilated their body, right, through the gastric bypass surgery um, in an effort to kind of get the weight off only to gain it back. Um, so I started going back to the gym, and I'm, you know, one of the few overweight people. I actually loved working out, and that's what having gained a lot of weight stole from me, which is that joy I had in working out. That and traveling are the two my two big um, passions. And um, when I, at 310 pounds, it wasn't so much fun. Uh, doing either one of those things, squeezing into the plane seats or, or or even just being at the gym, you know, either one of them. But I went back to the gym and I didn't, I didn't lose any more weight because I was still eating the sugar, but I didn't gain any weight either until March of 2020. Um, I, the gym shut down with the pandemic and um, I gained another five, maybe 10 pounds during that process. So then I started to panic, you know, and that was what brought me back into OA for this last time. I got a sponsor right away. I knew nothing about her except the fact that she was another 100-pounder. And she had um, she was a very kind and gentle kind of um, sponsor. And I, But I felt like I was drowning. And she has a very methodical way. We read the page from the book, big book every day. We're working the steps slowly. But it wasn't fast enough for me because, you know, I wanted to do things at my pace, you know, and I wanted to see the results tomorrow, just like I had gotten the weight loss. Um, and she, I kept saying, well, can I go to the step study meeting? 
And she says, we're working the steps, you know, by reading the big book. And the next thing I knew, I had gained another five pounds back. And so it's like June 1st. And I said to her, I just found this new big book study meeting. You know, maybe I should go to that. And she said to me, Andriette, stop. And she was referring to the fact that she, you know, it was not, I was not moving at the Andriette pace. I was taking direction from my sponsor. And that, her saying that to me, stop. I was struck abstinent from sugar. It's an absolute miracle. I can't explain it. This is just my story. And um, ever since then, it doesn't call to me at all. It's an absolute miracle that I can sit in a room or go to a function that has all kinds of sweets. And I look at it and I realize that's not my food and I don't eat it. When I'm at at work, this is mind-boggling to me that people will be planning an event and they'll look at me and they'll say, oh, well, we'll get uh, some fruit because uh, she doesn't eat sugar. What? And they're talking about me. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing, but it's true. Because prior to that, I would leave a little bowl of chocolates on my desk or near my desk. And my thought was, oh, I'm just putting it there for other people in the office to eat. And I was the one eating them every three hours. I couldn't stop eating them. I was drowning. And to be struck absent like this is just a real gift. Even if I struggle with the concept of a power greater than myself, I have to acknowledge in my own life that I've experienced that miracle. You know, there's no other way to kind of say it except for this is God that's doing it. And as I said earlier, when I can stop and recognize God in that action, I can recognize God in so many of the things that I've had the fortune of experiencing and real and thinking all the time that, oh, look what I did. I'm just so clever. No, maybe that was God too. You know, <laughs> In maybe it was not me directing everything. I just, uh, God just let me pay, think that I was the one in control, right? Because that was important for me to feel. So what I do now, um, because I'm working to protect this gift, that's what I'm doing. And I I do what I'm told. I, to the most part, I try. And the first year, I did it very well. I did exactly what I was told. I, you know, read from a daily reader every day. Um, I wrote my gratitude list, just three things I was grateful for every day. I sent my sponsor my food every day, and I meditated my way of connecting with the higher power every day. Um, and it was working. And I heard someone share in a program. An addict finds something that works, then immediately stops doing it. And that's what happened with me. You know, I find something that's working, and I, in my own, you know, um, manipulative way, because it's a character defect that I've got to try to take control again, I haven't been as good now about sending my food to my sponsor, you know, um, and doing the morning meditation. And it makes a difference. You know, these small actions, this small threads of surrender that I had been throwing in earlier, I go to the meetings and I hear people's story. I hear people struggle with relapse and I recognize that I need to kind of start to make the same or recommit in the way I've done before. And in coming to the meeting and being of service, that's five minutes, great. Being of service, I find that I have the willingness to let my higher power uh, be in charge again, using my sponsor as the conduit, you know, and just doing what she's 
what she tells me to do? How hard is it? It's not that hard. It's a lot better than, you know, when I, my own personal struggle with relapse and in hearing the pain of people in program when I go to meetings who are in relapse to just kind of take a step back, be grateful for the fact that um, still the sugar doesn't call to me. It's, it's still amazing. And I can keep doing the work that I need to do so that it doesn't call to me in the future. I Where I am right now in life is just grateful. You know, I shared how I can sit, I can think to myself, oh, I have so much more to do. You know, I'm, I'm, I hear people share how they've lost, you know, over 100 pounds since they're in their year back or their two years back or whatever. And I know I've got maybe 50, 60 pounds that I'd love to let go of. I know that people talk about how they've all worked through all 12 steps and I'm still on step four, two and a half years out. But the whole point is, you know, this is my path. And I have to just feel grateful for the fact that I'm still coming. I'm not going anywhere. I listen to what my sponsor tells me to do, and I'm making progress. And so as I, um, it's like walking up the hill. When I turn around, I can see, okay, I've got a long ways to go, but turn around and I can see how far I've gotten. I love, love, love the fact that I'm back in the gym again. And it just feels so good when I'm working out. I started taking tap dancing lessons. I was rushing back today because I knew I needed to get here for my meeting. And I shared with my TAP instructor that I had made a commitment to perform a routine at this um, recital that's coming up in four weeks. And she's been working with me um, to, to, learn this, to learn a routine. It's adorable. And this is after only four lessons. I've had four lessons so far. And, of course, I think I'm going to be the next um, Gregory Hines because that's, you know, my ego and how I sensationalize and fantasize anyways. But it does give me the incentive to kind of practice a little bit. So I've got all the equipment and I'm just going to keep practicing. But I love the fact that I can do this kind of stuff, that I can tap, that I'm traveling again and um, I'm not miserable, you know, wedged in the seat. I'm not using the extender seatbelt. And that I can still be of service. It's, you know, when we talk about, when I talk about having had bypass surgery, I always knew, even before I had the surgery, that that was not going to be the solution for my weight loss, but rather just a tool. And what's been interesting for me in this journey is learning how to disconnect or um, uncouple the desire to eat from actual nutritional hunger. So oftentimes during the day, I say to myself, I want to eat. And what I really mean is that, you know, I'm having a feeling, right? Whether that feeling is I'm tired or that feeling is I've just had this big adrenaline rush getting a project done and I want to eat. Pausing to just say to myself, but am I hungry, you know? It's just a gift of the program that I can do that. And having listened to my sponsor, I know sometimes she acts, she must think that I don't really listen, but I do. <laughs> and I get real nuggets of just uh, encouragement and uh, wisdom from what she shares with me. Um, and I, when I take a minute to kind of work on what I've learned in this program to help me with my food, but also to help me with life, to know that I don't have to snap and snarl at people because they don't do things my way at, at work. You know, maybe there's another way to get something done. And even when people are doing a crappy job at work, you know, my editorial comment I have to say that, you know, they're also children of God and they're doing the best that they can do. 
where was that coming from? That is not an Andriette kind of way of thinking. That clearly is something that I've been learning in program. And as I learn these things about how to navigate life without food, without hurting myself, I find that it just makes me happier. I just feel happier when I'm not scowling at uh, uh, on the phone over the customer service person who, believe it or not, is just doing their job, even though they're they're not doing it well, but they're doing their job is like I'm doing my job and just having gratitude and knowing that um, I've got a support group and I have a solution that I know works because I've been hearing people's, you know, experience strength and hope now for three years and real stories of just recovery. So, so that I know that, you know, I just have to stay here. There's not something that works better than this. And um, there's no reason for me to leave. Right. <laughs> so, I, I think that's all I have to say. I'm going to stop here. Did I talk about? Oh, yeah, I did. And, okay, that's it. Thanks.